If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the Get in Touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com. And the Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon. Or of course, you can find our link in the show notes. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hey, everybody, and welcome back. This is KT from KT's Money Matters, coming to you with your tips and quips about money, how to grow it, spend it, save it, investment, and generally decide how to live a better life by using it wisely. Anyway, today we're going to talk about spending it. So the theme of this show is convenience costs. Let's make sure it's worth it. By now, those of you who've been following me for a while know that I'm a big fan of Consumer Reports. I just got my monthly magazine, and one of the things that I noticed is they had a whole article on the hidden fees in various products and services that we buy all the time. And so I thought we'd talk about how you could address some of that budget and think about how you want to make sure that when you're spending, you're getting what you truly want. More after the break. Your host, KT Thomas, is the Director of Portfolio Services at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning with more than 25 years of experience, dedicated to high net worth individuals, families, and business owners. We work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Go to NewDaySolutions.com for more information. Hey, thanks for waiting for me through the break. Now, you may say to yourself, so what? I mean, I know I pay some fees, but a lot of times it's just, you know, 20 bucks here, or maybe I'm paying for my checked bag over there, or I know I have that funny bill on my cable that adds the extra money. And, and the reality is people pass fees on to people because they seem small, it seems like a one-off, and it's very easy to have them accumulate, which was the essence of the story that I read this week in Consumer Reports, where they talked about the fact that an average family could spend something like $3,400 a year on miscellaneous added fees. I'm like $3,400 a year. You know, you got my attention. Now, we all know some of the culprits, but I'm going to break it down for you by category. 69% of all the fees that are passed through to consumers are actually coming in the telecommunication space. So this is cable, cell phone, home phone, networking. Internet. There's also, and this has happened to me, a 44% markup on live entertainment. Now, any of you that have ever tried to buy baseball tickets online and can't buy them from, you know, my, my love and fam of the Boston Red Sox, you know, those tickets cost, you know, maybe $100 a piece, maybe a really good seat might cost $150 a piece, but I buy them on the line but I buy them online and I could spend 
two, three hundred dollars for the exact same seat because of the markup. Now, if it's a one shot deal and it's really a big weekend and I really want to do this, then maybe I'm willing to spend that extra. But frankly, we spend it and we spend it more than once in just a great while. We spend it really all the time. See, convenience costs. One of the great things that I love about the internet and the speed of things and the internet of things is how quickly I can actually get just what I want, how I want, and where I want. But the more specialization that I want, the more I have to pay. So if I want, I want, I want, I want, I have to be willing to not want as much of my own money. Now that we understand that it might be $3,400 a year, and for some of us who travel a lot, might be a lot more. We're going to talk about tips that you might do to help yourself think about this. First is, if you tried to figure out everybody that charged you a fee and negotiate a change with them, you'd probably go crazy and run scared into the night and give it up. So I don't recommend that. I recommend that you pick a category. As an example, this month, perhaps I'll look at my cable bill. I'll look at what I'm paying for. I'll look at what I'm paying for add-on services. I'll look at how much I think I'm saving by bundling that I'm actually not really saving that much. And I might call the cable company. Seeing is that 69% of the additional fees I pay come through these providers like cable, internet, and telephone. I'm going to start with the biggest opportunity. Now, so let's say this is your June decision. June, I'm going to look at my cable bill. I'm not going to look at all the others. I'm not going to make myself crazy. I'm going to do the cable bill and I'm going to move on. And then in July, I'm going to pick my cell phone carrier and I'll do that. Now, for those of you who are super ambitious and you want to do them all at once, God bless. I can see how your summer is going to go. But for the rest of us, just pick the biggest fee predator and start there. Once you've gotten through the biggest predators, those are your cable, television, network streaming, internet connection, web access at home, security systems. You can move down to the next group, which also charge a lot, which are gas and electric. Now, the problem with a lot of these fees is you actually won't be able to change them. I always think it's good to look and to see whether or not there's a way to make it better. But frankly, there's a delivery charge. So they charge you for the gas or electric, and then they charge you to deliver it to your house, which they can vary based on conditions. Not a lot you can do there. So I'm not sure how much time I would spend trying to make it better. I mean, unless moving or putting solar panels on your house or a wood-burning stove is an idea. But these are kind of big projects, right? That's a big global idea. First stream, I would go for the easy pickings. I really think like if the apple is getting ready to fall off the tree, I would pick that first instead of climbing up to get the green apple at the top. So once I've figured, once I've finished with my favorite fee machine cable, I would move on to personal banking. We've talked about this before. There's the 
monthly charge if you don't have too much money in your account. And then you have to ask yourself, what am I actually getting for that? The other thing I see at banks all the time is that they're now very commonly double feeing you for an ATM withdrawal. So let's say you go to your own ATM and it's free and you go to another bank's ATM because you're in another part of the country and it says an additional fee will be taken from your account of $1.50 or most likely now $3. But what you don't know is your own bank might be charging you $1 or $2 on top of that. You really need to look at how you're accessing your cash. One great way to get around ATM fees is to do cash back with your debit card because there's actually no fee for that. So you could eliminate all of those ATM fees just by doing cash back when you need it, when you're doing things like shopping for groceries or um, any place that allows for cash back. So I could maybe make the ATM fee zero if I'm smart about it. I could also carry cash and annoy the heck out of everybody else. And I'll tell you what, I do this a lot just for the joy of watching other people squirm while they have to wait because they want to slide and go. But slide and go, which is slap your credit card and fly out the door or Apple Pay or any of those things that you know we all love means that we're a little less attached to our money and we all know that we spend more money when we're a little less attached to it. So needless to say, the next big category is credit cards. And we've talked about credit cards before. 36% of all the fees Americans pay, based on the Consumer Reports article, was for credit card charges. This is the proverbial late fee, the over-the-limit fee. Um, you want to be really paying attention to who you're borrowing money from and what the terms are and how you're paying. If you have good credit, credit score of 725 or higher, and you have a bank that is charging you the wrong rates and the wrong terms, you should go get a new one. There are a world of credit card companies out there just dying to find the right buyer for them who actually is going to pay them back. I use sites like creditcard.com or mint.com as a way to find credit card offerings that I think might work. I'm going to bundle the next whole group in travel-related expenses. Now, the dangerous thing about travel-related expenses is that we think about it as a one-time thing. It's a one-off, so we don't really focus on it. But the reality is there are many people one-offing you while you're on vacation. There is the car rental company that's charging you to bring the car back empty. They're always charging you more per gallon to bring the car back empty than if you filled the car yourself. But when you're in a strange city, you don't always know where gas is. But you could actually ask the person when you're picking up the car where the gas is that you can, you know, where's the closest gas station on the way back. Now, maybe you don't have time. This next fee is about airline pickup. So if I'm picking my car up at the airport, I will be paying in most airports an airport delivery charge. However, if I have a little extra time and I'm willing to take the little bus to the car lot off the airport, then I can likely save that cost, which could be $15 or $25 more plus the cost of the car to get that car at the airport versus to, say, the car lot that happens to be outside the airport. I'm likely going to get lured in shopping for airline tickets online to find the cheapest flight, only to find out that in order to buy the cheapest flight, 
I have to sit in the back in the middle and bring no bags and board last and be fairly miserable for the flight. So what happens when I go over to book that cheap ticket that I saw online, the show begins. Will I pay extra for leg room? Will I pay extra to board the plane early? Well, if I'm going to carry my bag on the plane and I don't pay extra to board the plane early, then the chances are good there'll be no place for me to board my, put my bag, and then they're going to make me check it anyway. So you've kind of got to decide what are you trying to accomplish in your flight and what is your total budget? Not your frontline budget, but your total budget. And the thing about this is that airlines know, and by the way, all internet vendors know, that by the time you get to the checkout page, you're tired. You're tired and you're done. How many times have you gotten to the checkout page and it says $20 for shipping and handling and you still click complete? Well, guess what? Like 78% of the time we're doing this in America. We just buy it and they've figured this out. They're on to us. They know they could add a fee there and that you're going to pay it. More than likely, you're going to pay it versus walking away. Now, in the case of airlines, they made last year $7.6 billion in add-on fees. That's a big number. I know I paid some of them. And I bet you did too. The hotel industry, this is one that I think is really interesting. So you used to go to a hotel, you'd rent the hotel room, and you would get access to the property, which I think is a reasonable understanding. But in the online shopping world, everybody wants to have the cheapest rate online. And as a result, when you get to the hotel, they might have a resort fee. Or my favorite is the Marriott, which gives you free internet, but you pay an upgrade for fast internet. I don't really know how many of us have ever chosen the slow internet, but if I'm there working, I kind of wanted to work. Now you can get around that by being a, a gold member, but that also means that you spend a lot of money at Marriott to be a gold member. So are you getting what you're paying for? What you're really paying for is that little room with the two pillows and the bed and the bathroom and some clean towels and sheets, hopefully. Resort fees average between $25 and $40 a day. I remember when I first bumped into this on vacation in the Caribbean, and it was literally like we had been there for a week, and it was like $350 on the top of our bill. That's a lot of extra money. I could have booked a much different place for that money. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even think to look, but now I always look. What is the resort fee? Is it included? What do I have access to? What don't I have access to? And the bottom line is on the internet, you're like on booking.com or hotels.com. You're moving fast and they're telling you how three other people are looking at the room right now and you better make a decision and somebody just booked that other room and there are only two more available. There's only one more available. And all of that is meant to drive you to decide to click and buy. And they're just making a tremendous amount of money with it. And we are paying for it because we're afraid we'll lose that room. Well, guess what? There are a lot of hotel rooms in the world. 
They call this drip pricing. The idea that by the time you've made your decision, they drip a little bit more cost on you and you are going to just take it because they know we're suckers. We just want to be done. Our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter and we just want relief. It's really like a form of inertia. In fact, StubHub actually checked to find out just how bad we are at this. So in 2015, they ran a pricing experiment. One price had everything in it and one price had the teaser price. So the upfront price included all the fees and the second group saw the charges only. And then when they went to purchase, they had all the fees. And you know what? People spent 21% more than they did when they paid for the all prices included at the start. So they know they'll make more money by appearing to sell it to you for less. And I don't know about you, but I get really angry when they're like using my psyche against me. Now, this is actually a great article in Consumer Reports. They break down how a family might spend that $3,200 a year on a variety of different things. And if you're interested, you could pick it up on this month's newsstand and give it a read. I know that most people that are listening to my podcast are looking for three or four good ideas that they can go do something about and aren't necessarily looking for homework. So idea one, as we talked about, pick a bill each month, not all the bills, pick one bill each month. Second, before you buy on a third-party website for anything, you go to the website of the place that you're trying to go directly and find out what they're actually charging. So I do this when I travel all the time. I was recently going to Florida on business and I knew that I'd probably fly JetBlue because they fly direct out of Boston to the destination I was going to. I went to the JetBlue website and I looked at what flights were available and what JetBlue was charging for the flight if I actually wanted to sit in a seat that wasn't in the back next to the toilet and with my bag on my lap. And I got a price. And then I went to Travelocity. Sometimes it's Expedia, just depends upon my mood. I'm not necessarily in love. They are actually all owned by the same company. So it's not like I'm really getting competition. I'm really getting replication. And I went in and I priced Boston to this destination in Florida. And I took a look at like what they were pricing for American and you know, a couple of other airlines that fly to that destination. And I looked at prices and then I figured out which ticket, prices and times and which ticket I wanted to buy. And I went back to JetBlue and I actually bought their ticket. But I didn't just buy it thinking, oh, I'm getting a good deal from JetBlue because I'm not always getting a good deal from JetBlue, even though I really like flying them. I'm always willing to go out and look at somebody else. I'm not a big believer in points credit cards because most of the time I can't seem to get to fly when I want to fly and use those points. I'd much rather have points that turn into cash that I can use for anything I want. And maybe I'll use them for flying, but maybe I won't. And for me, that's my best option. Now, you might be, I only fly one airline, Southwest or JetBlue or American or whatever, so that I can fly and get that, you know, mezzanine standard or gold standard or whatever it is they're offering these days. And I get my points that I can use towards travel and I get to board early and I get all this la-di-da stuff that I feel really good about. And I'm willing to give up rates and terms on my credit card in order to get it, but I'm actually just not that girl. The article goes on to talk about how much extra we pay in car purchasing, which I actually think is hysterical. The reason why we're so bad at purchasing cars at the right price is because we actually don't do it that often. And the car dealer does it, you know, every day. Today's paint jobs are so good, you don't really need to do extra sealant. 
I mean, I remember when I was growing up and the paint used to fade off of cars, especially if you bought a maroon car. Some of us who have, you know, will remember that. Many of you won't even, they'll be like, what? They made maroon cars. They did, but for whatever reason, the paint always faded. And so these sealants were all about making the paint look brand new for a long time, except that A, we don't keep our cars a very long time and the paint is significantly better than it was 15 years ago. But people still pay for it. They still pay for wrapping. They still pay for extended warranties. They still pay for all kinds of things. Delivery charges when the car is already at the lot. You know, you go into a lot, car's already on the lot. And they said, well, there's also a $1,000 delivery charge or $500 delivery charge. And that's part of the price. And it's like, they already have the car. They're not delivering it to you. It's already there. You can negotiate those things. And you should be negotiating those things. You should also worry about, you should also really look into the service package that they're trying to sell. The one that says, you know, come back to us and get everything done here and you won't have to pay for it. You pay this one fee up front. We'll even finance it so you can pay interest on it. There is about a 40% markup on that. And people buy it all the time. Why? Because they're afraid they won't have the money to service the car. And so they pay for it in advance and they pay a 40% markup for the privilege. Just because it's fast doesn't make it good. Now, I would be remiss if I skipped the part of the article that talked about investment fees. People might think that this is, you know, just me being selective because I'm in the asset management business. But they talk about investment fees and advice. Should you be paying for advice and how much you should be paying for advice? 27 years in this industry, one of the things I've figured out is a lot of the advice people pay for is not worth the paper it's printed on. I know people are going to hate that. Here's what I'll say to you. It's important to know what you pay, why you're paying it, and how it's working for you. If you are not somebody who is going to spend the time or the effort to manage your own money, you need to decide how someone or something else will. Whether you're looking at index funds or a robo-advisor option or a financial advisor option. It really just depends upon how much money you have and how much help you need. One of the things that I know after all these years is that it's not about whether or not you're smart enough to do it yourself. It's about whether or not you have enough time to really do it yourself. Much of what financial professionals do is they save you time and they do it for you. And you need to ask yourself is, is it worth it? However, all financial advisors are not created equally, and you want to look for somebody who has the right level of education and experience to justify. They they can't just be smarter than you. They have to be better than most. And in any industry, everyone doesn't fit in that bucket. So you want to think about, does my financial advisor or my broker or my certified financial planner Do they know enough about my assets and how it should be managed? Am I paying a level and reasonable fee? What I would say to you is you can pay a lot of money. Hedge fund managers charge 2% a year plus 20% of the profits. Or you could be doing it yourself and buying, you know, no load ETFs and paying 0.06. That's a very big difference. I'm paying six cents or I'm paying $2 plus 20% of the profits. But you're also not getting the same thing. Now, I'm not a big believer in excessive fees, and I think our industry is full of excessive fees. You want to ask your financial professional, if you have one, the following. One, what is my fee? 
Two, how is it calculated? Three, are there any additional costs that are driven to me? So as an example, are you paying the trading costs or am I? Are you paying custodial fees or am I? What is my all-in expense? And then what is my net profit? And you should know your net profit every year. And then you should be able to measure that against some benchmark. Whether it's, you know, you shouldn't be able to measure it against stocks. If you're not all in stocks, you can't expect to get all the return of stocks. But if I own a mix of stocks and bonds, say I'm 50-50, I should be able to compare that to a measure of 50% stocks and 50% bonds and see how well I'm doing given things in general. Now, should you expect to beat the market every year? No, because that's actually not a reasonable standard. Why do you ask? Well, there's millions of investors that have been trying forever to beat the market on a consistent and ongoing basis. And I haven't seen anybody yet appointed God of the investment business. But it's important to have somebody that you think is a good steward of your money, especially if you're not going to be a steward of your money. This is particularly true if you have more sophistication. So you work for an employer and you have stock options and you're not sure how, when, and why you should be exercising them or not. You have individual stocks in your portfolio. Perhaps you've inherited money and you're not really sure how to handle it. You're in retirement. You're trying to figure out how to create an income stream. These are things that can't be answered by an index fund. You probably need a professional or you need to be willing to do a lot of homework on your own. If you're willing to do a lot of homework on your own, you can save some money, unless you're wrong. Consumer Reports recommends that you hire, if you're going to hire an advisor, that you hire a certified financial planner, and that if you could find a financial planner who would charge by the hour, that you should do that. Hourly financial planning is harder to locate. Most advisors don't work on that level, so you'd have to actually really look for somebody very good who's willing to charge by the hour and expect to pay an equivalent fee of what you might pay an attorney by the hour. Frankly, there are lots of ways to not pay $3,200 a year for the average family. And you probably can't get that number to zero, but I think all of us could get that number to less than $3,200. Let's say you could cut it in half. You know, what could I do with $1,500 a year? Well, I could put that money in my retirement account and save it towards retirement. I could use it for a home improvement in the house, part of that money that needs to be done. I could buy food with it. I could buy better food with it. When the day's done, this is your money that you're simply just giving away for the right to go fast. You can decide how much speed you want to buy. Until we speak again. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.